This episode is rated X for extra spicy. By the 90s, rock music was considered by and large to be fairly taboo. Mm. Parents did not support or encourage the idea that you would play in a band. They didn't like the idea that it was a rock band. Right. But to say that you were a heavy metal band was kind of adding insult to injury. We used to get punished and penalized in school just because we were different and we were a rock band. And corporal punishment was a big thing back It then was, for, yeah. for kids mm-hmm. of today who uh, don't know what that is like. They associated rock music and metal being satanic mm. or being uh, anti-cultural or somehow being inappropriate. The 101.7 TNL Rocks era comes with a boatload of memories and stories that I want to explore. Hence, this podcast. This is the TNL Rocks podcast, a branded podcast presented by TNL Radio Network and Paradigm. The one and only TNL Rocks. Okay, welcome to yet another episode of the TNL Rocks podcast. Now, as you can see, we have ourselves a guest. A very good morning to you, Suresh. Very good morning to you too, sir. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, so yeah, Suresh Silva of Stigmata fame is who we have with us. Uh, so what we're going to be, I'd like to just ask you a bit. So obviously when it comes to uh, Stigmata and you know the formation of it all back in, what was it, 2000? We actually... formed as bleeding cross in 1998 okay and we were stigmata in 99 but we considered 2000 because it was only in 2000 that we played our first show right okay so let's go with 2000 all right so 2000 it was when we got to the era of stigmata and when it came to this obviously one of the things that kind of stands out when you look at the story of stigmata and the music is how in a lot of ways kind of counter to what most would most people would say sri lankan culture is like the music and the perception and just that environment is so if you could kind of just take us back to what that was like in that era to be a rock band and to to and to be making like metal music and all of that in sri lanka in that time and we'll come to like tnl in a second but just to kind of set the stage for us all right so just to give you some perspective of what it used to be like uh this was a time i mean the first tnl on stage was in 1999 yeah that was the year that independent square won mm-hmm. and it was also in 199 that they released the first original i'll say hard rock or alternative rock album yeah uh comprised of originals called bring back the sun um so we were around them but we hadn't officially started playing gigs and what not it was a very interesting time because the rock scene in sri lanka to our knowledge in the 60s and 70s was quite expansive mm-hmm. um with a lot of artists and a lot of talent by the 90s it was rattlesnake and venom two bands that mostly played cover songs mm-hmm. they had a few originals to my knowledge this is tilak das and kirti fernando and and the crowd uh, the amazing musicians so these guys performed in the 90s that some of us as like kids watched and saw and we were inspired because they were the only ones uh, playing stuff by deep purple and led zeppelin and jethro tull and black sabbath and uh, artists of that ilk yeah independent square 
played originals. So for us, it was being exposed to Independence Square's originality and Rattlesnake and Venom's, um, the genre of music that they played fearlessly at that time. So that's to just give you an idea uh, of, in a local uh, perspective, the artists that informed who or what stigmata would become mm -hmm. eventually. But as for the scene in the country, by the 90s, rock music was considered by and large to be fairly taboo. Mm. Um, to play in a band was considered uh, a vocation that was looked down upon, that was frowned upon. Mm -hmm. When we started off, parents did not support or encourage the idea that you would play in a band. They didn't like the idea that uh, it was a rock band. Right. But to say that you were a heavy metal band <laughs> was kind of adding insult to injury. I actually met someone who said her nephew was in Stigma. She lives in like in Navala. And she was like, her nephew was in Stigmata. And this bothered her to no end. She was like, this is the, the message of the devil and this is how they get you. I was wondering like, clear, and this was in the, this was in, I think, 2012, I feel like. Right, I okay. met this I, I show Stigmata, I think it may have been another band because by 2012, a lot of the stigma, for that's, lack of euphemisms, uh, <laughs> were cleared out. That's because, what I also assumed. Because we, along with a handful of other artists, worked really hard, not just to build a cornerstone and to become a part of the cultural performance arts fabric mm -hmm. of the country, also the Asia-Pacific region. Yeah. Because no one else plays the kind of music that our Sri Lankan bands that do original music plays. Yeah. Like you have music that is authentic to India and Singapore, Malaysia, Indonesia. Sri Lankan artists and bands that encompass Sri Lankan originality with a Western sound are very, very unique. Mm -hmm. But coming back, I digress to the scene, what it used to be like. There was no scene. <laughs> there was no scene of originality. Uh, there were only a couple of venues that would advocate or support rock music. One was the Den, actually on the other side of Fifth Lane. Okay. Um, another was one called the Rock Cafe. Okay. Other than that, there weren't too many venues in the country that would uh, support bands or bands that want to do original music, which was one major problem. Right. They also did not want to support original rock bands right. or rock bands in general, which was another problem. So heavy metal, forget about it. <laughs> Independent Square, Stigmata, around the same time, Krebs Cycle were around. Mm -hmm. And those guys were also very influential band for their respective scene. Paranoid Earthling came a short time, about three or four years after Stigmata. They formed in Candy. They were the yeah. first grunge band. Mm. There's a band called Soul Skinner that was also from St. Thomas's College where Stigmata was formed. Mm -hmm. And those guys were also a metal band, but again, a different genre of sorts. So we were all very different. We were very diverse. We had different musical tastes and backgrounds and what have you. But to give you an understanding of what the scene was, we were all in school. We had girlfriends. We were doing sports. We were involved with extracurricular activities. I mean, we lived we weren't pigeonholed to like yeah. one thing. 
uh, we everything from tuition classes to skipping school to go and see girlfriends so we did all of that yeah but we also formed the band and we started off cuz there weren't places to rehearse i remember at the methodist church of mount lavania which was right opposite the st thomas's college yeah. basketball courts mm. and that was the first place because there there was gear and equipment there and you we didn't have to we were school kids and we didn't have to pay so we mm. were a part of the youth fellowship and so we used to go and jam songs there and uh, to pre-stigmata though so they were cool with so to make sure the priest was happy we'd yeah. go and jam things like knocking on heaven's door and i can see clearly <laughs> now and we did stuff like that right yeah and then it built to stuff like living on a prayer and okay. they would come and they and they'd be like yeah so this must be religious really music or at least it's not bad and then we'll rehearse like original music right okay. so we were still finding members and finding our f- footprint as a band but what we did was we started rehearsing bit by bit where the pocket money that was given to us back then the guys in the band we didn't use that to eat during the interval we saved that money so that after school in school uniform we could carry our gears and stuff and we used to walk cuz if we paid for the studio bookings to go and rehearse yeah we did not have money for transportation <laughs> even by bus to yeah. come back so that was a time where we used to carry amps and guitars and stuff and walk from mount lavania st thomas's college all the way to the hivala kohula etc <laughs> and then come back and parents didn't know that we were playing in a band right. maybe they suspected mm. but then that was the same model and uh, methodology that we used when we started recording we right. got in through independent square guys particularly mm-hmm. dinesh and ajit who were very nice to us and shahan karnatilaka as well by the way congrats because yes. he's just won the booker prize <laughs> which is huge for sri lanka right it's insane and uh, another tomian mind you so <laughs> i i just had to plug that here well So we used to record where we got in touch with Shobi Pereira brilliant man he was responsible for producing and engineering uh, our first album Hollow Dreams our second record Silent Care Serpentine Independence Square their albums Crab Cycle Ezra Cold Fusion all those bands you name it a lot of those rock company bands mm. uh, back in the day so he was involved and we used to get dressed in school uniform go to the studio change and then record with him and the first time we went for a recording we remember that <laughs> it was like 1000 bucks an hour okay and we were there for 8 hours and that's before we understood what recordings were probably mm, right like those were days that you go rehearsed and you try to knock out the entire recording in one day where right. you record everything mm. and you like try and do the vocals backing vocals everything and then you try and mix and master it on that all day in itself, a day all in all in a day <laughs> okay. right obviously that changes now because 8 yeah. hours isn't like enough for us to perfect and get mm. even one instrument right now yeah but that's what we did and i'll never forget how we had the in school uniform cocky as hell very excited that we are recording music so we did two songs one called fear and one called redemption both songs that were first brought to tnl radio and mm-hmm. tnl was the first radio to play those songs and fear was number one on the local tnl charts for something like 8 weeks in a row wow uh, redemption was scratched and later on it became another popular song of ours called extinction which is on our debut hollow dreams right so we recorded and we finished 
and then we asked him asked uh, shobi we'll never forget we called him mr shobi then mm. then he became uncle shobi <laughs> then it became shobi and then now we are like at a masan level with him through the years i mean we've been doing this for 22 23 years yeah so we finished the recording we asked him how much it is he looked at the clock and everything i'll never forget he said it's 8000 bucks <laughs> right because it was it it was more than 8 hours yeah and like we had a stroke because <laughs> he said he solved and then we like give us a moment and now yeah. we're arguing and huddled in a corner and he's like okay what's the problem mm. how much do you all have and then very sheepishly we're like we have 800 rupees <laughs> and he's like you bugger came for a recording with 800 rupees and you're here for 10 hours and is that all you have so he was super nice to us mm. not only did he accept the 800 bucks okay. and we promised him that we'll play shows we'll collect money and come and pay him that mm-hmm. and we were good we honored that payment yeah. which is why we built a long uh, professional relationship uh, with that man mm-hmm. and it's a brilliant musician he helped us a lot he inspired us a lot the best part of the story is that after giving the 800 bucks we couldn't go back home so he had to drop <laughs> us back home so the producer engineer who we met for the first time is going around <laughs> dropping each of us in our houses right and by then our parents figured out something was up mm. but there was no scene like people didn't accept that we're trying to do something different it was hard times I remember that Tenny and myself who started Stigmata and then Andrew joined us a short time later back mm-hmm. then. We used to get punished and penalized in school just because we were different and we were a rock band. And corporal punishment was a big thing back It then was, for, yeah. for people today, kids mm-hmm. of today who uh, don't know what that is like. So it was brutal. And it wasn't that we necessarily went out of our way to do anything, but they associated... rock music and metal being satanic mm. or being uh, anti cultural or somehow being inappropriate uh, for of a pristine uh, college image not not just college in sri lanka in general mm. as a whole tends to fear anything that they can't define and they can't categorize Sri Lanka is one place where we are a backwater island where we talk about being progressive but this island mentality makes us extremely stagnant and regressive mm. and we see this not just in music we see this across the board like in radio in tv in media in advertising in the corporate sphere mm-hmm. huh? where people are stuck uh, with old bygone operational frameworks and organizational structures that don't work anymore people are unable to adapt and we experience like the brunt of that because we're a bunch of guys who just wanted to have fun and we wanted to make the kind of music no one else was making we wanted to make heavier abrasive music yeah and that didn't sit well with uh, well in a societal and sociological perspective because people felt threatened mm-hmm. not necessarily threatened because they thought we were any good mm. but they just felt threatened i believe that we were the antithesis of what people thought a band should be mm. like we weren't these guys to all dress up like we're playing a wedding you know like yeah. in and we we started wearing you know metal t-shirts torn jeans uh there's a lot of hardship there's a time when you couldn't even go to a kottu place in sri lanka mm. they wouldn't serve you wow if you're in torn jeans and black t-shirt they huh. wouldn't let you on a bus 
it was like that like if you carried a guitar and you like walked into a place i remember going to cd shops where they would just ignore us because they'd look at us and they think these guys can't afford to buy cd's mm. but we are the only people giving them business who did buy cd's yeah. but see you have to understand that a lot of that struggle and fight and tina played a big role in helping out back then was to establish a foundation for a counterculture yeah so we built not only an ethos but a lifestyle and we built a movement and when i say we it was not just stigmata and not tnl uh, radio per se but it was also all the bands and the artists and maybe because music is a ecosystem mm-hmm. so it's not just the bands and media there's so many other people from the sound producers and the engineers to the sponsors at the time and press and print and i think there were people who were very courageous and supported things that were out of the box yeah so i know man you asked me one question and i gave you an answer for 20 minutes <laughs> that is totally fine i actually wanted to expand on this a bit more because you were saying that again we the music that you were making and and that culture was seen as antithetical to sri lankan culture how were you exposed to it in the first place how were you able to get the music that you wanted to that you were listening to and how were you able to get access to those artists and all of that if it was seen as such a taboo thing so to speak that what was, was your entry to the world that was always an underground scene me as a kid uh when i was 3 or 4 years old the only two tv programs were variety fair bright and breezy okay on rupaini and itn right uh, used to play music so i mean we we'd be you know we'd always see the michael jacksons and the george michaels and all of that mm. which was fine nothing against them but then we were exposed to stuff like roxette and richard marx and brian adams and like early bon jovi and stuff and occasionally i think unbeknownst uh, to those tv shows they didn't know what they were doing they would play mr big or guns and roses okay and i remember as a kid watching that and that's that's kind of where the initial seeds of inspiration i think were sown in me or planted rather okay where even red hot chili peppers and stuff like that and i used to be very curious as to because when you're 3 4 5 years old what really informs you at that age or what motivates you for me at least were the transformers he man thundercat <laughs> uh and stuff like that right yeah and then later on teenage mutant ninja turtles and x-men etc mm. but music was always there part and parcel and if you look at a lot of those early uh cartoons and stuff like that you had like the themes for those were like rock music yeah. whether it was transformers or thundercats mm. or silverhawks uh, or x-men yeah. and you had like guitar solos and you had that so that played a part okay but i think what also played a part was i was exposed to reading when i was very young so i think started with uh, the jungle book and then discovered comics so getting into like marvel and dc and comics and then getting into literature and stuff particularly when i was of an impressionable age where i discovered stuff like cs lewis and jrr tolkien and stuff like that which mm-hmm. was out of the whole mainstream spectrum of what was considered literature and what was given to us or what we were exposed to yeah i think a lot of that informed it because see rock and roll and heavy metal music is not just it's not just music 
I think, I believe that it is the nucleus of what really, really kind of governs who and what we are. Like it's part and parcel. You can't take it away from us. Mm-hmm. Which is why 22, 23 years later, I'm still a fan of rock and metal music. That's why when you guys called and said you have, you're starting a rock and roll podcast, I'm here on a Tuesday when I have work to do. <laughs> and we have a gig coming, we have rehearsals, and I have so much stuff to do because to take the time away, to be able to talk about this, to create a dialogue and a cohesive narrative to inspire the people and let them know what it was or how it was back then. Yeah is extremely, extremely important. So we also discovered uh, moth-eaten magazines at bookshops, secondhand bookshops, where we would discover stuff like old Kerrang! magazines and Metal Hammer magazines full of dust with pages torn. And like for us, uh, we discovered that. But mostly, there was an underground movement where there were people who listened to rock and metal who used to trade tapes. And we were a part of the tape trading thing. Okay. So... uh, after a while, this whole mixtape thing became mm. big where even we started to record and tape uh, songs. And that's what we first did, Stigmata. Like, we'll include a couple of Stigmata songs, mm-hmm. or we'll mix it, mix it with, like, Iron Maiden and Metallica and Black Sabbath and uh, all of that. And we'd exchange it with someone else who'd give us a mixtape with maybe Early Godsmack and Soundgarden. And so this, this is why for us, yeah. we were exposed to, like... A lot of different genres in rock and metal. Right. And the tape trading thing evolved to the CD trading thing. Mm. And then that's where after a while we got exposed to like bands outside the mainstream, which had a massive impact on us. Because when we discovered stuff like Pantera and Skid Row and Nevermore, Iced Earth, Blind Guardian, bands like that, Arch Enemy. Mm-hmm. In fact, Arch Enemy from Sweden was the band that inspired us to call Stigmata Stigmata because... Okay. Uh, the first album was called Stigmata. They were from um, Gothenburg, Sweden. And Archerim is one of the biggest bands in the world right now uh, with a female-fronted mm-hmm. uh, vocalist called Alyssa White. So for us, we discovered that because there was sort of like a networking scene that happened. There weren't a lot of people, mm-hmm. but the few people who were a part and parcel of it were very engaged, interactive, and we would just share this stuff for free. So so there was like almost a barter trading system that happened. Right. And of course, then later on, uh, TNL uh, Radio had some amazing people like Billy Moria, who had a show called The Vault. Okay. And it was through Billy that we discovered bands like Kansas and Rush and a lot of those uh, early Genesis. Yes, a lot of those early uh, progressive rock bands mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Then you, you guys used to have a guy called Casey who used to have uh, a show in the evenings who used to play some rock music. Damien used to do the late night request show. And on that show, we were able to request all the oddball singles that TNL had that y'all don't normally play. Yeah, so okay. we we used to like request, be very excited and request like Nine Inch Nails and like Marilyn Manson. And I remember y'all used to like very begrudgingly have one or two Slipknots lying around <laughs> or a Slayer. Y'all actually had a Slayer back in the wow. day, like a couple of Slayer tunes, right? 
And then you had Tracy Holsinger, who had the breakfast show, who used mm-hmm. to play. And then you had Kishani, also from TNL back in the day, who used to. So it was where the radio itself, your radio station itself, had people who had a taste of good music. Yeah. And it didn't, it, it, it didn't mean that they only listened to rock music. They had a wide palette and they listened to a lot of different genres of music, mm-hmm. which is the same thing for us, man. I mean... Today, I can sit here with you and I can tell you that I appreciate Leonard Cohen and Johnny Cash as much as I appreciate Bob Dylan, Opeth, or Morbid Angel, or Death, or Cattle Decapitation, or <laughs> Nine Inch Nails, or Sisters of Mercy. And I'm a huge Richard Marks fan. Okay. I'm a huge Def Leppard fan. I, I love all things Van Halen and Guns and Roses, but I can also appreciate the Dire Straits mm. as I can appreciate ACDC. Yeah. But I also love stuff like Vivaldi and Paganini. Mm. Um, I've grown up on uh, theater, so the fact that uh, I, I, I love rock opera, so what uh, Sir Andrew Lloyd Webber and uh, mm-hmm. Tim Rice did, particularly with Jesus Christ Superstar, yeah. all those things informed who we are today. It played a big part in motivating us and creating that nucleus. So in a way, there was a sort of networking thing that happened, mm-hmm. though we didn't think about it. Okay. So for me, so like if at the beginning of the podcast, I said that I kind of wanted to dig up this history of, uh, of TNL rocks and all of that. Because when we talk about like the first on stage in 1999, I wasn't here. I would have been three years old hmm. at the time right so uh, so much of this is it so much of it happened before i was one before i was here but secondly before i was kind of exposed to this right. which is why i kind of want to dig into more of these stories right so uh for you i mean we've, we've kind of gone over how you were listening to tnl and all of that but uh you were saying that you had uh some of your tracks playing actually on tnl when that started and we actually have this one's still in the plastic, actually. Hmm. So mint, unboxed uh, edition of uh, of Stigmata's first album. Um, how how did that go? Like, how did you get your music onto TNL and you know go through that process? Who were you talking to, uh, and and how did that go? So we, I used to be in the English Literary and Debating Society of college. Fantastic and. This lawyer and gentleman called Shanaka Amrasinghe uh, had connections or contacts with people in TNL because mm-hmm. I think he used to read news back in the day. Okay. So Shanaka and also another uh, old boy from college, well-known playwright, Delon Virasinghe, mm-hmm. both of them played a big part in introducing us to TNL and um, kind of advising us on certain stuff. So when we recorded our first singles, we took it to Shanika and he heard it and he liked it. And then he spoke to Kishani of TNL Radio and Kishani heard it and she liked it. And then Tracy played it on the morning show. And after Tracy played it on the morning show, the other RPs at the time who uh, heard it, liked it, and they played our music. So it was interesting because this was a time where personal bias and prejudice did not play. A role. Okay. A uh, lot of the problem of what happened in the TNL radio era was that after a while, there were people who started to kind of uh, 
propagate, proliferate, and push very specific types of genres and music that only they liked. Okay. And when they started to do this without name dropping, I mean, I'm being very candid here, uh, they just started taking hard rock and heavy metal stuff, jazz, blues, you know, like edgy music, Mm -hmm. progressive music, uh, music that would challenge people and music that would uh, really, really test and push and provoke thought, Mm -hmm. right? Um, It's very uh, evocative and provocative music, uh, the type of stuff that some of us do. And it became a problem. It became an issue at the time. We didn't mind because we're touring the world and we're playing shows, we're playing concerts. And yeah, we had lineup changes. We've had problems through the years. But we've always been consistent and frequent with what we've done. We've always evolved as a band, released new music. But we remember there was a time where this ban happened where there were a couple of people in RPs who were only sadly into stuff like Coldplay and bands that sounded like that. Okay. And they would not push anything outside of that. Mm. And this caused a massive problem because it started to polarize the listenership. Right. On top of that, you had a couple of people who didn't like rock and metal who only came and started to turn TNL into this whole thing, right? Where after a while, you can't tell one radio from the other. You switch a radio and like everyone's playing the same stuff. Mm. I mean, personally to me, right? I have no issue with Sia or Lady Gaga. In fact, I think Lady Gaga is quite talented. Mm. But I'm a creative person. Yeah. So professionally, vocationally, what I do is I'm a brand and business consultant. So when I look back at it now, a lot of that stuff should not have happened where I would say and I would call out that it was not the fault of the creative people. Mm -hmm. It was the fault of the people who were handling the marketing because they didn't know how to bring sponsors in and, you know, kind of sell the programs and the shows. Right. And that's because they lacked a passion to really, really push the music. You're talking about a heyday in TNL Mm -hmm. where the creative people and the marketing people and everyone on board was one team that started to fracture and rupture and come apart. Okay. Not just at TNL. That's what started to happen to the original music industry in Sri Lanka. Right. And that started, it, it always happens. So, so was this around the same time that all this was happening or? I think a lot of these things happen simultaneously. Okay. And that's why you've seen there were a lot of bands starting to form, break up, form, break up. You see bands entering TNL on stage and winning TNL on stage. And after that, it makes you kind of wonder, where are these bands that have won TNL on stage? What have they done after winning? Mm. Have they any longevity? Have they released any material? What is the legacy that they have left behind? So it was a big problem where it was difficult for bands to find self-sufficiency, to be Mm self-sufficient, to be independent. We've also realized early on in Stigmata that we can't make the kind of music that we make. Right. And this cannot be our bread and butter. Yeah. So right from the get-go, Tenny and I, who were the founders of Stigmata, we sought to work professionally. So Mm. this is touching upon just a little bit, wee bit of you asking how there's time for all of this. Yeah. So 
for me, Mazang, I think like you make time for the things that you value and the th- things that matter. Mm-hmm. I've wasted a lot of time in my life. There's a time where I was just inebriated all the time. You talk about the drug, sex and rock and roll lifestyle. We've been there. We've eaten it. We've written that book. <laughs> uh, in fact, most of my 20s were a blur. Okay. Yeah, I think for a lot of people who were around us at the time, our 20s were a blur. <laughs> uh, so for people who say it's too late, man, it took me time till my mid-30s for me to decide after going through a lot of problems, a lot of issues and hardships in life that I wanted to change my life around, that I wanted to get fitter. I wanted to focus on my self-growth. Mm-hmm. I, I'm a dude who started to pursue my higher studies after not studying for like 15, 20 years, I just decided in my mid-30s, I'm going to get into shape. I'm going to start studying. I'm going to turn my life around. We always worked. We always did the music thing, right? But I think life is a journey. And each, every, each of our lives are a journey. And we all have our story arcs. Yeah. Take TNL Radio. TNL Radio has a beautiful story arc as well. And a story arc and a journey, Machang, is not the way we think in a line graph where you'll just, it'll be a curve that's just accentuating and just going all the way up. Mm. Our lives are like this, it right? It goes up and down. It goes yeah. up and down. Sometimes it's peaks and valleys, yeah. peaks and valleys. So for me, I think it's beautiful that you guys are doing this because this shows that you guys are trying to keep the spirit of TNL alive, the original essence of that beast which was TNL, which was something else, unlike any other radio station in the country. Yeah. And that's why I'm here to talk about it now. Um, and I don't know, man. I, I, I just feel like uh, sometimes with these peaks and valleys, things need to go full circle to come back. Like things are different now. You guys have adapted. You've adopted. Y'all are doing a pod. And I think that is beautiful because tnl always used to be ahead of the game yeah and somewhere i think along the way it went to mallepol <laughs> not only mallepol it was just pol after a while <laughs> and it's i'm glad to see that you guys have now like regurgitated renewed and brought life back mm. uh, to tnl Th- this is not me casting stones at anyone yeah but i use this word ecosystem with a lot of specificity a radio network is as much an ecosystem as a band is. A right, band yeah. is only as good as the people and the talent you surround yourself with. Mm-hmm. Everyone from our sound and lighting engineers. You see a Stigmata concert and operation today. It's it's colossal. Yeah. Everything from the printing and the promo and the security to uh, coordinating the events to people handling the ticketing, to people doing the negotiations. It's, it's a massive thing from the backdrops to, you know, the photography, the videography, the edits, the promotions, the advertising. So it's the same thing. But you can't have um, one or two people dropping the ball on that. Mm. Everyone has to share the same vision and everyone needs to build the same trajectory. So I'm glad you guys are back doing it because... I don't see any other radio station doing anything <laughs> worth a drop of my We'll have to censor that, but okay. <laughs> Possibly we'll see. But no, I mean, it's, that's, again, like I said, I wanted, I've, I've heard so many of these stories of, of like what this was. I mean, I worked with, uh, with Anil for a while, uh, Damien, and 
uh, I've, I've heard all these stories of what this was like and really want to kind of unearth all of that and see what all of this was about. But it's not... A lot of people... Sri Lanka is a place where people love to bask in nostalgia. That's another thing. We talk about bygones and, you know, this used to be a legendary era and this... No, man, no. Like, you live in the here and the now. That is life. Mm. And you can't carry your past with you everywhere you go. And I mean this professionally, socially, personally. Mm -hmm. Like, you can't live your entire life. You shouldn't forget your roots. You should be proud of your legacy. You should be proud of your heritage and what you've achieved. But if you don't concentrate all your talents and your acuity and uh, your focus and your skill sets and everything in the here and now, you're not going to be able to do anything productive or resourceful or worthwhile in the future. So... Yeah, there were good days. There were bad days. There was tragedy galore back in the day. There were triumphs. Sure, man. Mm. But I don't think that's the height of anything. Because remember, peaks and valleys. Yeah. That's there even in the industry. Mm -hmm. I think right now we are in a beautiful era and a beautiful time following a pandemic and recovering from an the biggest economic collapse our country has faced right yeah. now, where more shows are happening. You guys can see that. Mm -hmm. People are organizing events. People are starting to go out. People are uniting. They're starting to, for better or for worse, one thing the pandemic and the economic crisis, what it did is mm -hmm. it made all of us really start to look inwards, okay. outwards, and maybe appreciate the things we have in our life. That's You had to value the little bits that you had. because Instead of complaining all the time of the things we don't have, it made us really take a look, right? And to think how blessed we are to have certain stuff that mm. we do have. And when you start to value inherently those things with cognizance, conscientiously, then I think you're, you're able to live a little bit better with a little bit more meaning and reason towards working towards the things that you love and you're doing it with purpose. You're not just blindly just hauling and tugging along, man. Yeah. So we've not reached the peak of what I, I, I really sincerely believe this. Mm. I think we're yet to still achieve and do things. I mean, we are working on our fifth record. Yeah. During the pandemic, we worked with a Grammy-nominated producer, Romesh wow. Dodangoda in the UK. Right who has worked with everyone from Motorhead to Bring Me the Horizon. And for us to have a guy like that mix and master our stuff, the singles that we put out, that, that was amazing. For us to be able to have toured the world all these years, to be featured on the Discovery Channel, mm -hmm. to be featured on the BBC, uh, to be interviewed by Triple J Radio, to play metal festivals. I mean, those things are all part and parcel of the journey that we appreciate. But there's a hell of a lot more to do. Yeah. So this is why this whole Sri Lankan thing of like just, we love it here, don't we? <laughs> we love holding on to the past and celebrating, you know, the 90s or the 80s or the 70s. Good. That stuff is all great. But live in the here and now. We spend so much time focused on the past mm. or worried about the future that we're forgetting to live right now where it matters and counts. Yep. And I think that's that, that, 
that you know, living in the present, but also kind of acknowledging what we had and kind of valuing all of that together, I think, is you know part of ethos of the podcast and what we wanted to do here. The balance, right? exactly, yeah. bringing that kind of balance and bringing that kind of value. Um, so before we wrap up, uh, I just want to talk a bit more about the singles that y'all are working on and all of that as well. Um, so we had uh, three latest releases. You were saying so you've got throw glass in a house of stone. That's yeah. definitely interesting. Uh, sacred Spaces and then Alyssa as well. Uh, and these are the ones that you said you were working on with uh, with Ramesh. Yeah, these are already well. released. Mm. So these were released actually uh, during the time of the pandemic. Yeah. And so what we're doing now is we're working on more new music. Mm-hmm. We have new members that have joined the band that we're excited about for a period of five or six years. We were a four-piece, mm-hmm. but we've gone back to being a five-piece now with the twin guitar attack. We have an amazing lineup now, which, well, Tenny being lead and rhythm guitar. Yeah. We have Shane now, who is also on rhythm and lead guitar. Okay. We have Tissar on bass, and we have Shavin on drums, and then me on vocals. And the cool thing about this lineup is everyone sings. Okay. So we have like a multifaceted element that we've never had before, where we have backing vocals inspired by Queen and Alice in Chains and <laughs> stuff like that. Uh, and also the sound, like I said, we always keep evolving. So we're working on new music. Mm-hmm. We hope to release actually the fifth album and the sixth album quite close together okay, uh, consecutively. So the fifth one is likely to have Alyssa okay. and Throw Glass, Sacred mm-hmm. Spaces. And there's another one we did called Heavy is the Head That Wears the Crown. Yes. Um, that's the one you did the video with uh, with the local cosplayers yes yeah yeah so uh, that one and then brand new music and so we haven't decided whether we're going to drop these as an EP because these are all released online okay Um, but we're definitely going to release a new record uh, in 2023 and we're going to start the overseas tours which we're negotiating at the moment We've tied up with Guinness this year as their brand ambassadors. So we're playing a lot of shows uh, around Sri Lanka and Mm. a lot of venues, prominent venues that we've not been able to perform at. Mm. Everything from Dali Road, pub and restaurant to Tap House. And then the plan is to release the new record, to Mm -hmm. work on new music. Because what we've always done, Majang, is we compose new music. Yeah. And we perform it to live audiences. Right. Before the release. Before we record even. Right. Okay. So that gives us a lot of energy and feedback as to whether we need to change certain Mm. things or tweak certain things. And we've always done this in a way. Right. So that makes it like super fun. So working on new music, we've released some amazing merch this year. We dropped some t-shirts that sold out in two days, (laughs) 48 hours. Uh, And we're working on hoping to launch uh, a new website revamped next year. And there's a lot of stuff. We're very active on social media. We stay engaged. We use digital media platforms to uh, keep in touch Mm -hmm. with not just our followers, but also to reach out to new audiences audiences and stuff like that as well. So uh, there's a lot we're doing right now. So as of the new music, we're just very excited because with this new lineup, man, we are... I mean, the sky is the limit. So we're pushing ourselves. We've never uh, pigeonholed ourselves to a genre. We mm-hmm. go as pure Sri Lankan metal because yeah. that's what we are known globally. Mm-hmm. Uh, also because we incorporate a very, like proud and loud, we incorporate a Sri Lankan and Eastern sound to what we do. Yeah, We're a Western band. We sing in English. 
but musically we incorporate a lot of world music and different styles mm-hmm. from jazz and classical to blues to folk uh, to progressive rock to a lot of different stuff right carnatic music what have you so if it fits in latin and salsa rhythms funk and it's it's very exciting to see where the new music is going to go and so far we're having a lot of fun we hope to play a couple of brand new tunes in the coming shows as well okay well we're looking forward to hearing them Suresh, thank you so much for joining us on the tnl rocks podcast for telling your tales and telling these stories uh and yeah all the best with the shows all the best with both of the upcoming albums and everything else thanks man thank you thank you for having me and i think i just kicked your table yeah that is fine (laughs) (laughs) thanks guys thank you for having me on board thanks glad to be here man all right so there we go yet another edition of the tnl rocks podcast uh make sure you follow us on social media give us a like share all that stuff tell your friends about it make sure that they're watching and uh stick around for more episodes and more very very cool people from the history of tnl rocks the tnl rocks podcast a branded podcast from tnl radio network produced in partnership with paradigm and hosted by sean hevagay Our executive producer from Paradigm is Zeeshan Akram Jabir. Our executive producer from TNL Radio Network is Sean Hevage, and our show producer is Rajit Maligaspe with production assistance from Randika Victor. <laughs>